0: Uh, The reading today is from 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 12 to 21. Uh, It's on page 1222 of the Church Bibles. 2 Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in, this, in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good to see you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We pray that it would guide us this evening. We pray that uh, you would open our eyes that we might see. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, we've been looking the past few weeks at mistaken thinking. It might be mistaken thinking that's out there in the world, but also mistaken thinking that can slip into the church, into our own thoughts. And today's title is uh, Thinking You Know Better Than the Bible. I guess in a church like St Mary's, we instinctively know that that is a mistake, don't we? We pride ourselves on good faithful Bible teaching, in sitting under God's word. And so we can uh, see the effects of this mistaken thinking quite uh, obviously out there in the world. Whether it's uh, the former US President Thomas Jefferson creating his own Bible by uh, cutting out and sticking uh, each moral teaching of Jesus uh, to create his own gospel, and rejecting every divine claim and supernatural occurrence. Or whether it's current views of sex and gender, which look at the Bible and see that it doesn't match what people think and feel, and therefore say that it must be wrong. We can spot those things out there. But I wonder if you've ever sat in a sermon and thought, Oh, I don't have to worry about that doesn't really apply to me. I certainly have. Maybe you've read uh, some of the commands in the New Testament letters and thought, well, this sounds a bit outdated. Surely we need to to move with the times. Something like that. Or maybe you've uh, been talking to a friend, sharing your faith, explaining just how amazing God's grace in Jesus Christ is but maybe convenient, conveniently forgetting to, to mention uh, the sin that we need saving from. Maybe less common the opposite, sin and hellfire, but no salvation. Or maybe promising rich and satisfying life without the call to godliness. See, thinking we know better comes uh, than the Bible comes in all sorts of forms, whether it's straight-out rejection, ignoring parts of it, or twisting it to our own purposes. However much we value the Bible, we are all at risk of putting ourselves over it instead of under it. So how do we guard against this mistaken thinking? Why shouldn't we think we know better than the Bible? We're going to look at two points this evening to help us. First, that the whole Bible is God's Word. And second, that the Bible should be our ultimate authority. So first, the whole Bible is God's Word. And we're going to look at that passage from 2 Peter that Zoe read from us. So it's page 1222, if you closed it. One, two, two, two. Now the, Peter, uh, the people that P- Peter, the people that Peter were writing to, uh, was o- were also at risk of being taken in by this kind of mistaken thinking. There were people in their church who were saying that uh, the promise of a second coming of Jesus was nonsense. And instead, Christians should uh, be able to enjoy all the freedom and blessing uh, that is promised. Right now, they were they were t- twisting scripture and leading people astray, and so as we look at Peter's letter, we'll see how he warns and encourages the church, and this is in two parts uh, as well. Um, he shows us that the whole Bible is God's word, both the New Testament and then the Old. So first, in verses sixteen and seventeen. Peter says that he was an eye, and indeed ear, witness. His opponents have been making out that Jesus' return is a cleverly invented story, a religious myth that has no place in the modern world of the first century Roman Empire. Something to make people feel good, but totally unnecessary. Not so, says Peter. Peter. Verse 16, we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Peter was an eyewitness and an eyewitness of a very particular event. Did you notice? Peter, James and John were there on the mountain when Moses and Elijah appeared and Jesus was transfigured. So why does Peter focus on this event? Well, as Jesus was transfigured, transformed, Peter got a glimpse at the future. He saw something of Uh, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Peter, uh, years later, taught uh, Christians about the second coming, he was certain that it was not an invented story because he'd witnessed its preview. If you'd like, he'd seen the trailer and so he was confident that the movie was coming. But Peter doesn't just rely on what he saw. After all, our eyes are easy to trick. And even people who see the same thing uh, report different interpretations. So Peter emphasises to us not just what he saw, but what he heard. Verse 18, "We, uh, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. The Gospels tell us that uh, when Peter saw Jesus with Elijah and Moses, he thought he should put up some tents. He had no idea what was going on. But hearing the Father speak meant that he had not just an account of what he saw, but the correct interpretation of those events. God's interpretation. And it's not just... Uh, Peter and this one event of the Transfiguration, we can expand this out to the whole of the New Testament. Most famously, uh, you'll know that Luke tells us at the start of his Gospel that he collected eyewitness testimony in order to create uh, his accounts of Luke and Acts. Matthew and John were Jesus' disciples, and so eyewitnesses too and when Paul's authority was challenged uh, he reminds us in Galatians 1 that he too saw the risen Jesus and all of them received by the holy spirit god's interpretation peter later in uh, this letter groups paul's letters in with the other scriptures uh, in 2 peter 3:16 and in 2 timothy 3:16 Uh, Paul says that all scripture is God-breathed. The apostles and the New Testament writers were eyewitnesses whose words were inspired by God. And although almost 2,000 years separates us from them, we have their words and can interact directly uh, with them. We can trust uh, what they say. That's the New Testament, but Peter doesn't stop there. Verses 19 to 20, he reminds the, his readers of the importance of the Old Testament, too. See, before Jesus uh, were hundreds of years of prophecy, which gradually revealed God and his plans. The prophecy fulfilling life of Jesus proves the Old Testament to be true, Peter says. It makes it more certain. And so he says we should pay attention to it. It's worth pointing out here that um, all the Old Testament writers were considered as prophets, um, whether or not they wrote about the future. So verse 19, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts you've probably come across the uh, popular view in culture that uh, the Lord God Almighty of the Old Testament and the Father, Son and Spirit of the New Testament are very different. That The Old Testament is all about judgment and smiting. Uh, and then Jesus is all about love. People recoil as they read uh, the violence that we find in the Old Testament. And there is quite a lot. And they decide that the whole thing is invalid. That all we need is the New Testament, and we can forget about the Old. But that isn't just uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, it's throwing the bath out too. Read and treated properly, the Old Testament is a light in a dark place, Peter says. As we read it, we see so much that is fulfilled in Jesus. Not just uh, the well-known prophecies in Isaiah that we'll be hearing in a few months uh, at the carol services, but all the way through there are types and patterns that find their completion in Jesus. He is the new Adam who never sins, the new and better high priest. He is tempted in the wilderness and resists temptation where Israel didn't. As we read every part of the Old Testament, it teaches us more about Jesus. And Jesus' fulfillment uh, of all this, this makes more certain those promises that haven't yet come promises of judgment and salvation, of peace and blessing. But there's something else that Peter wants his readers to understand. Look at verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So none of the prophets uh, woke up one day and decided by themselves... I think I'm going to write some prophecy today. Nor did they um, witness the events going on in Israel uh, and come up with their own reasons for them. Now, Just as Peter himself uh, saw Jesus and heard the Father speak, so the prophets wrote down God's interpretation of what they heard. Directed by the Holy Spirit as a boat is carried along by the wind these normal men spoke from God. Although written down by humans, these words that we have are spoken by God and have his authority. So the whole Bible uh, is God's word. In the New Testament, we have not just an accurate eyewitness testimony of what happened but the definitive interpretation of it, too. It is not just a cleverly invented story which can be dismissed out of hand. And nor is it open to reinterpretation as and when we feel like it. And similarly, in the Old Testament, we have not man's thoughts and predictions, but words spoken by God. And all of that means that Uh, If we think that we know better than the Bible, we are denying its authority. We deny that it is God's word and instead act as if it can be rejected, ignored or twisted. That's what Peter's uh, second coming denying opponents were doing. They were twisting God's word. And so he reminds the church that God speaks in the Bible. That brings us to our second point, that the Bible should be our our ultimate authority. And we show what we think is authoritative by who we turn to when there are disagreements. So when we're little uh, and an argument breaks out over whose toy is whose, we turn to our parents for the answer. As we grow and um, our arguments get bigger, and we realise that our parents don't know everything, we look elsewhere. Uh, Dictionaries and encyclopaedias, more likely these days YouTube. Well, it's the same for Christians. When it comes to our faith, there are four options for what we can turn to. The Bible, reason, institutions, and experience. And all of these are good and helpful. Only one should be our highest authority, the thing that we judge everything else by. So it is good to use reason to engage our brains as we read the Bible, to work out its logic, to investigate its history. On the men's weekend away last week, Chris Sinkinson showed us a mountain of archaeology, almost literally, which uses reason to to point us to the fact that the Bible can be trusted as real history. Institutions, it might be a bit of a dirty word in this country at the moment, but it just means tradition uh, and the church as an organisation can help us uh, live as Christians too. We have 2,000 years worth of Christian thinking to guide us in life. And millions of fellow Christians are alive now. It would be silly to ignore all of that. We don't each need to start from scratch. That's why we have a bookshop out there. We can benefit from collective thinking. So if you uh, read a passage of the Bible and you come up uh, with your own totally novel explanation of it, no one else has ever suggested that uh, before, And if it contradicts how so many people have read it for hundreds of years, well, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably wrong. And there's experience. Christianity is not an academic exercise. We feel guilt when we reflect on sin. Love when we look upon Jesus. Joy as we worship alongside our brothers and sisters. We are assured of the Holy Spirit working in us as we notice changes in our thoughts, in our actions. Christianity is something to be experienced. So all these things, experience, institution, reasons, are good and helpful things. But something must be on top. When there are disagreements, when we don't feel when what we feel doesn't match what the Bible says, or when the church teaches something different from the Bible, there must be one thing to which we turn for the answer. That must be the Bible. After all, our reason is flawed and fallen. If we try hard enough, we can reason our way to any conclusion, can't we? For example, there are many who think it's unreasonable to believe uh, in the miracles of Jesus actually taking place. So that they say they are fables. And that the resurrection, too, didn't happen. That the cross is just set an example for the love, uh, the kind of love that we're to show each other. And just like that, Christianity is just another religion, no different from any other Reason cannot be our ultimate authority to turn to. Institutions, too, are flawed and fallen. I probably don't need to prove that to you. We just need to look back to the Roman Catholic Church, which was able to teach purgatory and indulgences in the Middle Ages because they claimed that the institution of the Church has the sole interpretation of the Bible. In their doctrine, it may put them as equal authority, but they always turn to the church first. And our our experiences are flawed and fallen. We can experience the same feeling at a concert or, or a sports match as we do in worship. Our senses can be tricked by what's going on around us. If we rely on experience we can end up making God say anything that we want. So, I felt God say that I can cheat on my spouse. Can't be disputed, because who is to disagree with a feeling? Reason, institutions, experience, all are flawed and fallen. It is only God's, it is only in the Bible that it's God's word, and so it should be our ultimate authority. We can use these other things to help us, but none of them should reign over the Bible. Yet we can't escape uh, these things, reason, institution, experience. Each of us will have a tendency to favour one of them. So, uh, if we are to put the Bible on the top to affirm that it is our ultimate authority... Uh, we need to set some expectations. We should uh, expect that each time we come to the Bible, uh, our reason, our institutions, our experience will be moulded by it. So if we find that the Bible doesn't say what we expect it to, if we find that the Bible doesn't say what other people says it does, or if we find that the Bible doesn't say what we feel it should We have to go with God's word instead. We'll have to to rework our reason, reform our institutions, recalibrate our experience. It's like uh, we each have a set of Bible-reading glasses, and they colour and uh, adjust our view of what we see. Each time uh, we read the Bible, we can either forget that they are there, Uh, and let them mould the Bible to our own view. Or we can treat them again and again and again, so that we get closer to seeing what the Bible actually says. So, uh, when others uh, or ourselves start to think that we know better than the Bible, it's worth thinking about uh, which authority we are elevating above it. Are we valuing reason more than the Bible? Are we valuing our experiences more than the Bible? So why shouldn't we think that we know better than the Bible? Well, the whole Bible is God's Word. Both the Old and the New Testament are eyewitnesses, um, who, uh, eyewitness accounts. Uh, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the writers wrote... God's interpretation. And so the Bible should be our ultimate authority. It is the Bible we should turn to as our first and last port of call. So as you hear from us uh, who preach each Sunday, I hope you're not taking what we say as gospel. I hope that you're checking uh, that what we say really is what the Bible says. And if it's not, come and tell us. And as you read uh, the Bible uh, yourself each day, be ready for it to change you. Be spotting uh, where your Bible reading glasses uh, are not right. Be spotting where your thoughts and your feelings don't match. Uh, And get them in line with the Bible. And as you face all sorts of mistaken thinking, Inside the church and out, turn to the Bible as your guide and authority, above all else. Those words of Peter again. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain And you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken, that we have your word as a light shining in a dark place. Help us to watch out for this mistaken thinking, to watch out for thinking that we know better than the Bible. Help us uh, to treat each page of the Bible as your word, to see it as our ultimate authority, to turn to it in everything that we face, and to let us, let it change us to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name. Amen.